to another episode of In All Sincerity, the heart-to-heart podcast about connecting, communicating, and learning more about others. I'm your host, Dalen Turk, and joining me today, I think, is one of the most just genuine and delightful humans I've ever met in my entire life, and that is Aiden Moser. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Wow, what an introduction. (laughs) You know, I try to uh, keep my guests, you know, up in spirits and ready for the show, so you know, I'm just I'm happy you're here joining me today. Um, you know, for those listening who have listened to this show before, um, I created this show as a platform to for myself, for the guests, for anyone who may listen, just to connect to people, learn about people they may know, they may not know, just a platform for to kind of avoid all the negative stuff that we all come across in the news and the internets and whatnot, and just a genuine heart-to-heart conversation. Um, and so today. Aiden is joining me to talk about grief. Um, it's a bit of a turn from our previous topics in this show, but as I said, uh, there's really no end to what conversation can bring us to. Um, so Aiden, I want to talk to you about grief because it's my understanding that you lost your mother at a young age and roughly five-ish years ago, um, your sister passed away as well. And um, recently I was listening to... Uh, Alan Allis podcast, Clear and Vivid, which was a big inspiration for me. And he uh, was on vacation one episode. And so Katie Couric took over with her podcast one of his weeks. And uh, it was her talking about mm-hmm. losing her husband, who famously passed away from colon cancer. And I remember listening to it. And she was talking about, you know, the stages of grief. There's, you know, what is it, the seven stages or whatever it is. But she said her for her, the experience was more fluid. There wasn't really these set stages. And so I wanted to start at our conversation and get your thoughts on that. You know, what was your grief process like? Because I know in my experience in losing people, definitely isn't this cut and dry thing. So what are your thoughts on that? Definitely not. Well, uh, both my mom and my sister had passed away from kind of long, I guess I shouldn't say long, uh, it was too long, a year and a half or two years of just being very ill and going kind of downhill. So I feel like uh, we were able to start grieving before they had passed away. Mm -hmm. I mean, I distinctly remember being, yeah, I guess I was a freshman in college and she had, and my sister had been diagnosed with cancer and I thought, oh shit, excuse my English, but (laughs) so then I had a few weeks, you know, think about it and like, kind of accept like, okay, here we are. But that was definitely not the timeline with my mom. I remember being like 10 years old and thinking, what the hell? (laughs) Why is this happening to me? You know? Um, And I remember being pulled into the school counselor in the fourth grade and she was sitting with me at her little desk and on the wall had her five stages or six or whatever they uh, are of grief. Proceeded and they like to give you the whole spiel. Where like, yeah, where, where she was, I think she actually was the first one to say, I know this picture has steps on it, but mm-hmm. it isn't always going to be you are really um, accepting wow. this one. 
and then you're angry the next day and then you are depressed one day and then maybe a week later you are totally fine and you are um moving on with your life holding your person and going through it with what you feel like they would want to move through the world with but it comes and goes it's very katie couric was correct (laughs) it is very fluid it's kind of um Sometimes you don't really know how long you're going to feel okay with it. And then one day you listen to a song and you're like, now I'm sad. And then perhaps you go through the rest of your day thinking about that person. And then sometimes you think about all three of your people and (laughs) it's kind of rough, but it's even rougher. I'd say having one on top of the other, on top of the other, perhaps Um, it makes that process much more of a web. I'd say. How do you think? Like sometimes. How do you think losing uh-huh. your mom and then your sister did that? Did it all prepare you when you got the news no. about your sister, or was it just another wall you hit? It was a yes preparation, but it was a oh, I know what I need to prepare for. I don't mm. want to prepare for this. I don't want that to happen. Um, but after my mom had died. I'm not quite sure if it was just my internal, like maternal instinct or what it was about my life. Um, But I very much like took on a mother role. And so by the time my sister was sick, she was like my own child. And it was a very different experience, I'd say, having um, this small person that you raised and loved and spent all of your time with. Watch that versus being the small person, watching the person that raised and loved you. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. Can you recall the day that you, you learned about your sister's diagnosis? Was it just kind of a sudden thing or had you kind of noticed mm-hmm. something was off? Um, well, she had actually spent the last four and a half months of her life in Denver and then she was flown to Philadelphia actually so really we yeah so I didn't see her for a long time wow um she was gone for Christmas I mean we FaceTimed every day and I had moved back from Bozeman my first semester at college to come back to Missoula um so that was nice um for when she did come back she came back to Missoula in February Mm -hmm. but we had gone on a family vacation to Mexico and we were so hoping that she would be okay. Like her lymphatic um, disorder, which had masked basically her cancer that was in the lining of her blood vessels. Um, Yeah. So we had gone on vacation. She couldn't come with us. And then they, the doctors had waited to have this meeting with my parents about, well, the, my parents that had adopted us mm-hmm. about um, what they had found. So it was about a week after, and um, my mom had called me and said, so Addie, we have her meeting today. Um, I'll call you right after. But it was on the East Coast, so it was at like 6 in the morning. Right. And it was February 24th. It was a Wednesday. It was like 8.13 in the morning. <laughs> I was watching that 70s show. <laughs> and then she called me, and she's like... I haven't watched it since, actually. Really? It gives me... Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like you said, you know, you hear that song and it's like, oh, well, here we are. 
And that's what I think. Um, yeah. So I wasn't, I was prepared, I suppose, but I think the doctors have been very positive ever since uh, she had been flown to Philadelphia. She had holes in her lungs that were being filled with fluid. And so hmm. this doctor would go in with like a little stylus thing and glue them, like glue them shut. Oh my goodness. Which was phenomenal. But she had like seven surgeries in a month or something like wow. that, I think. Five or six uh, in between there. Um, so she was just very worn out. And by then, I think I probably in the back of my head thought, oh, it's time. How <laughs> but not was, until. This whole time, how yeah. how was she? I mean, she was, you know, separated from her family. Mm-hmm. She's having, you, know, you said, seven surgeries in one month. How was she holding up in all mm-hmm. this time? Mm. She was really sad, logically, but um, I think she was just tired. Right. And she also was very wise in the sense that, like, she was like, it's okay. Like, I had a great life. And if I die, then that's okay. And you guys will be okay. It's going to be fine. Because my mom had asked her, she said, Addie, are you, like, are you aware that, perhaps you might pass away from this illness and she was like oh yeah I know and she said well are you scared she was well I'm a little scared but I'm I'm scared like to leave you you all of you guys not really for what will happen to me which I think is just very insightful like of a person who is ready to not be on this planet anymore because I remember my mom saying that like 15 years ago so it's very um Moving, I suppose, also for an eleven-year-old. <laughs> you know, I, I heard those uh, this a similar sentiment recently. I have a a friend of mine. Her husband has been battling cancer for years and years, and um, I remember actually mm-hmm. he had um, I her and I worked together, and he would uh, come work UT football games with us just on a game to game basis. And mm-hmm. he showed up one day, and his arm was in a cast. And I was like, oh, you know, what happened? And, uh, oh, he, you know, tripped at work and broke his arm. I'm like, okay, well, mm-hmm. years go by and come to find out he had, and I can't remember the name of the cancer, um, but he's been battling. It's basically uh, cancer in, like, the connective tissue. And it was in his right arm. And recently mm-hmm. in the past year or so, it has just shot through the roof. It spread to his yeah. left arm the tumor uh, tumors in his right arm kept growing and growing and they started a GoFundMe and you know his entire concern was leaving her his entire concern mm-hmm. was not about himself it was about the fact that she's going to be buried in debt you know it's just going to be her and the dogs um mm-hmm. and um, at this point he did he had to get his um, actually had to get his right arm amputated um, I believe at the right. shoulder, that was the only, at this point, the only step they could take to try and stop the cancer. And I think at this point, they're just trying to battle it in his left side with right. uh, chemo and radiation and whatnot. Um, but it, it is interesting to hear that same sentiment that you just you know spoke of, of that his concern was of her, you know, and he he kind yeah. of met his piece. And so it was, you know, it's just interesting to hear that, especially coming from somebody of such a young age as well. I agree. And I sometimes would think, well, maybe you just remember um, 
what our mom had said or like what everyone had said about our right. mom when she was dying. She was a year and a half years old. Like she was not speaking. So this wouldn't have been a thing that she would have thought, which is so interesting. Um, Do you, did she? Yeah, and I remember. Um, no, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say that I remember my grandpa even. Do you remember him? He would come into our, our German classes. No, I don't think I do. I'm sorry. No. Yeah, I think he came to some parties or something. I don't know. For those but listening, very... um, Aid and I oh. were in uh, German class in high school for like together for you know like three years or whatever it was. Um, so years, yeah. yeah, that was what I was referring to. But he passed away last summer, and oh really? It was actually very yeah unexpected death. Um, not that he wasn't old and not that he wasn't tip top health. Um, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like, nobody really knew when it was going to happen. I think except for him. And he had sent my grandma to go pick up my aunt instead of, he was going to go pick her up. And we think that he knew that something was wrong. Like, I think perhaps he had a stroke, but because he was by himself, they didn't like investigate too much, you know, like it definitely wasn't a play. So we don't actually really know, but something like that. And it's interesting, like when people can feel it. And I think he's felt it for about a decade because he was the person that instead of um, worrying and saying, I, I'm worried about what you're going to be doing with your life in the sense that I want you to be doing good things. And I don't want you to be sad about me being gone or like not in our home or doing these things with you, um, et cetera. But he would like, set up weird plans for us like in his will it was so interesting um lots of trading and bargaining so we would have random things to like have as collateral for the rest of <laughs> collateral life, like, coins from and like interesting which is all, it was like all the really amazing things which was so which I, what I think was the coolest part because it's not like he just went and bought like 10 diamonds for each of his grandkids right. like everything that he gave all of us were like not priceless but like quite worth money but in the sense that like he had gone around the world and like handpicked these things for like himself and like right. he was the person that thought I'm gonna leave these to my family like I don't know if that was just his generation but he had been thinking about this for a long time. So it sounds like that was a pretty like big representation of who he was as a person. Oh, definitely. <laughs> wow. That's, that's yeah. pretty incredible. Actually, you know, you, you, you think about, you know, obviously when, you know, love and pass away, you think about the inheritance and whatnot, but the value beyond monetary in your case is really quite fascinating. And you put, a lot of thought into it. It sounds like, like it's pretty. I know, incredible. and it's it's really, yeah. It was quite cool to see all of the items. Like I haven't seen all of them together, obviously, but mm-hmm. like knew what each of them were. And I think, like, when I look up like Google things about like this, perhaps like this Bogota emerald that oh, I think my sister got. But like, they're all very genuine, like cool um backstories and uh 
historical things basically just about his life, which I think is also really cool. Um, when you really think about what did I get from you? Well, obviously a lot of things, but here I have this story and then this story goes from other stories and this story goes from even more. And he was a storyteller. So that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> well, and luckily the rest of you have, you know, a bit of that story to carry on with you. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, I want to ask you because you, you mentioned earlier about how you really took on a motherly role after your mom had passed away. How in the yeah. process of your sister being diagnosed with her illness and dealing with all of her treatments, how did you, do you think personally, how do you think did you impact the rest of your family in terms of supporting them through this process? Uh, I definitely became mom again, mm -hmm. which I hadn't been in that role. I mean, we had two parents that cared for all of us and we had all lived with them. And there were two adults that were capable of dealing with Addie's medical stuff and dealing with her school and her activities and blah, 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 which often what I was doing. So it was a little bit of relief, but also in the sense that I was like, Ugh, this is where I've always just been in my rut and this is what I'm good mm -hmm. at. And I, um, my mom had called me and said, I think you need to come home. Because you were in Bozeman, right? In Bozeman, yeah. And I was there mm -hmm. for like three weeks. Um, and I came home and she had been in the hospital. Or maybe it was a month after that or something like that. Regardless, it was in the fall. Mm -hmm. I came home. And I went into her room and her hair was all knotted and she refused to let anyone like brush her hair or <laughs> brush her teeth, blows, like, wash her mm -hmm. face. I mean, mind you, she was 11. So I think like she was definitely going through puberty and like, I think she was getting pimples and right. like she wasn't doing things. So it's not like she was taking a shower every day or washing her face twice a day. And that's not really her fault, but also she only had one arm to like use mm -hmm. regardless. I, I walked in there and it probably took 30 seconds. It was like a, like a switch. It was on, okay. I'm your mom. Here I am. And I washed her hair and brushed it and braided it and painted her toenails and we cleaned them. And I washed her face. We did a little face mask. I brushed her teeth cause she was like lying down and, um, a few days. I mean, and then I was just, in the hospital room and I became just another adult, I suppose. That yeah. was always What do you think it was duty. about your relationship with her that mm -hmm. she allowed you to do that, but nobody else at that moment? Um, I think because I was her mom. Mm -hmm. She didn't have another one for a decade. Right. My other sister tells me that too. Really? She calls me her sister. Yeah. How does that make you feel? And she moved to Ireland a week ago. Oh my goodness. What? <laughs> yeah. What'd she move to Ireland for? My babies are <laughs> She is going to uni at Trinity College, which is wow. really exciting. That's very exciting. Goodness. Yeah. What, uh, traveling's all, all good for her? She's... <laughs> wow. Um, I think she just wants to be... Out of the United States and really? somewhere that spoke English. So she goes, okay, that's where I'm going to go. Man. Do you know what she's going to study Which... or is she just kind of going at this point? 
she is, uh, uh, I'm a great writer, <laughs> but she's a better writer than me. So I think mm-hmm. she's going to do English is what she says. Yeah. But Good she stuff. also loves science and really, I think she'll do microbiology. She's been maybe, but she's trying to do both. <laughs> oh boy. That's be awesome. I mean, more power to her. You know, that's very exciting. Ma'am. I think she's very capable, but I, yeah, I remember I saw a post on Facebook from you and I think it was on mother's day. Um, <laughs> And I remember you you were talking in the post about the the impact of this array of mothers that you've had in your right in your life, you know, aside from mm-hmm. your you know adoptive mother, but just all these strong, powerful women in your life that have helped you along the way. What impact yes. do you think they've had on you? Um, because you know, obviously you said you stepped into that mother role twice throughout your life, and you know you had. Uh, two parents that took you in, but this these array of strong women. I mean, we you know Framo, um, our German teacher, your aunt, lover. Um, what impact have they had in your life throughout all of this? Well, to be quite frank, I think we would be dead, and that's not just like a, a funny thing. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we were fed and clothed, and um brought to the doctor, got our flu shots, uh, went to the dentist. Like all of these women and their families were the ones that took it up. And perhaps I'll make a disclaimer. I don't think my biological dad is an awful person. He just wasn't capable and had an illness. So that's what I'll say about that. So Mm -hmm. regardless, I have said that a lot too, regardless. (laughs) There were a lot of people that... um, were all of our moms and all of our dads that were doing little beats, bits and pieces of perhaps what two parents that have children, that is their responsibility, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that me and my siblings have all little parts of them and our personalities as well. And like what we want to take into the world and, it's really amazing because all of these people are very close to us still. Like we still have very weekly family dinners with handful of the families that we grew up with and had lived with and had spent time with our children and speak regularly with. And Mm -hmm. it's quite phenomenal. Actually. I think it's, I'm very lucky. How have your younger siblings impacted you? You know, were there any points at where they lifted you up? Mm, all the time. Yeah. All the time. Um, I think at a certain point, well, not at a certain point, I had always been the uh, <laughs> the very emotional older sister. I cried at every single movie. Oh, is that I so? I would cry. All songs. Oh, my gosh. Every movie. <clears throat> and I would get... They would all be like, oh, Aiden, Titanic is on. Do you want to cry today? (laughs) But um, we ended up just becoming kind of like a little unit. Yeah. uh, Which was nice. So when we were home, just by ourselves, uh, we very much relied on each other to do kind of basic necessities, I'd say. Like, 
make food and clean and stuff. <laughs> but mm-hmm. get the girls up and do the homework. And it was really, um, even though it probably wasn't what we should have been doing at ages 12 and 13. Right. It is um, quite phenomenal to watch that. My very slow, steady, calm brother just did it. Yeah. Also. How have how have you seen them change? You know, obviously no one that young should experience this, but unfortunately life happens in certain ways. How how have you seen them grow through all of this? They've hardened, I'd yeah. say. Um I think it's uh They're perhaps not identical in their grief, but mm-hmm. my brother doesn't talk much unless it's a very like positive. Um, really? I loved this story. Do you remember when we did that? He's very particular with what he says and it's yeah. always intentional. I guess I should say intentional with what he says. Yeah. My sister, I think, um, has very much grown into this is my story and this is how I am and this is what has made me be who I am. Right. But that is not always how she's been. I think it, when Addie had died, she just shut down, like very much shut down. She didn't speak mm-hmm. word for nine days. Really? Like to know. Yeah. It was kind of scary and a little weird. And also at mm-hmm. that time, I mean, I have four biological siblings and three that are underneath us in our family. And every single one of us kind of reacted in a different way, obviously, because we're all different people. But that was a really interesting, um, I think dynamic in my relationship with all of my siblings, because I don't think that any of our pain was less or more than each other, but we each had our own relationship with Addie that the other others wouldn't have. I mean, not that they wouldn't have understand, but you know, you have like your particular relationship with your siblings and they each oh, have absolutely. one with each other. And um, it's been, I remember now thinking about it like four and a half, three, four years ago, being at the time where I was like, oh, okay, now I understand just because I didn't cry every day and I saw it doesn't mean that we didn't feel sad also. Right. In hindsight, what do you think you've learned from this, you know, whether it's about yourself, your family, the grieving process, what are some things that you've learned through this? YOLO, dude. YOLO. Number one. Yeah. And it sounds so like, like obviously we were 14, like <laughs> YOLO. Right. Like, so funny, but. Oh, throwing it so, so far back. True. Oh, hundred percent. It is. Um, Yeah, I think that is the number one thing that I've learned. And I also, um, yeah, I was recently diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which is another different conversation. That has definitely played into how my grief has gone in the fluidity, I suppose, of some days. I only feel very positive things about the people that I've lost. And in those days, what I take away from it is... um, my mom loved John Denver. So I listen to John really? Denver when I do chores and, um, Addie liked butterflies and the color blue. Like sometimes I just randomly see a blue butterfly. And I think that's just the universe. Yeah. Um, 
but also it's a it's a really good you kind of start looking for them and then in your day you think oh well there's some sun oh hello mother or there's mm-hmm. a cute little butterfly hello sister um i think i've learned to not think that every day is going to be absolutely phenomenal at every second of every part yeah. of it um because it never is mm-hmm. but it's definitely worth thinking about okay you're gonna wake up the sun is up that's nice do you hear the birds oh yes i do my dog is right here let's pet my dogs oh shit i forgot coffee at the store okay let's make some caffeinated tea oh shit i just stubbed my toe like you know like things just go throughout the whole day yeah and then you just go on to the next one and it's very easy to think that way and obviously i can easily say that to you now but that Mm. has been an issue that I've been dealing with for a decade and a half trying to yeah. figure out how do I do this. But that is, I think, my goal of always making sure that I don't just like go to bed thinking this was the shittiest day ever. I hate my life. I miss everyone that's dead. The world yeah. is the worst thing ever. We're all going to die anyway, you know? What do you, what do, you do on think? days where YOLO <laughs> doesn't work? Like, what do you, is there something you do to remedy that? YOLO? Yeah, when YOLO just isn't happening for you today, oh. is there something that you do that helps you remedy that? I think um, I just plan the next few months of, nope, you're actually not going to do anything that you really don't want to do. Yeah. And obviously, sometimes I do those things. But then the next chunk of time, I'm be like, no, Aiden, you're really not going to do anything you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it just comes down to it. Like, don't do anything you don't want to do. Like, seriously. Because maybe I'll just wake up one day and I'll have cancer. I mean, yeah. you never really know, honestly. And we didn't know about my mom. We didn't know about my sister. Didn't know my grandpa was going to wake up and die, you know? Mm-hmm. You just don't really know. So. I think YOLO means if that means I book a plane ticket to Africa and I never come back, YOLO. Or if that means I get a tattoo of a butterfly on my foot, YOLO. I haven't done it yet, but maybe I will. Maybe you, you know? will. Maybe or you'll maybe... get that tattoo on your foot in Africa. In Africa. It could happen. <laughs> or maybe I will wake up and go pet some dogs and I will bring one home. I did that. <laughs> YOLO. YOLO. It was two years ago. The best thing I ever did. So yeah. obviously it was worth my, okay, only once. I'm only going to be 22 years old picking out a dog one time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love. Even if it's like, a, I don't work. I don't want to do it today. Mm-hmm. You take it. Honestly. Because what the hell? We're going to be working for fucking ever. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> that, that the honest. truth? I, I love the use so of. YOLO unironically. I, I don't think I've ever legitimately heard anybody use it unironically, but I absolutely adore the fact that you do. <laughs> I And I'm not going to lie. Like, I've come to this conclusion, like, probably in the last year or two, but, like, I've always used it ironically, and it was one of those things that just, like, oh, shit, I use it so ironically so much that now it's just not ironic, and I'm using it for reals. <laughs> And um, you know what? But it's true. YOLO. That it wasn't like a weird fad in 2012. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well. So what, what advice do you have for people who are coming out? And not to say that 
grief will end because it's a, in my opinion, okay. it's a never ending process, but for you know, lack of a better term, coming out of the grain viewing process, you know, um, for moving. There is a light. Yeah. It's, it's hard to believe um, in that moment, but you know, what do you say to those people who don't think there is one? Hmm. Time is irrelevant, but only time can tell you that. You wish that in five days time that, uh, you'll be okay, but perhaps that's not really going to be the case. Mm -hmm. Perhaps maybe you will be okay in five days, but perhaps in six days you're going to feel like shit, but perhaps in 10 years you're going to feel okay, but perhaps in 10 years in one day you might not. Like it's still, it's not going to be gone, the light for your life. And I think what's most important too is you don't really think of it as, um, well, this person is dead. Now let's think about all the sad things about them being dead, right? right? You think about, oh, we love all these things. We are sad because we loved this person so much. We are sad because this person gave us so much happiness. We are sad because this person gave us courage and hope and love to do the things that we actually want to do and strive to do with our life. So I think that also um, make a little YOLO keychain of <laughs> You have to not have to, I mean, you don't have to do anything, but mm -hmm. I suggest channeling every part that is good about the person that you miss, because there must be a reason that you miss them, not just innate nature. Um, sometimes people die and you're related to them and you're like, okay, you know, mm -hmm. but there are people that you miss that die that you have very genuine um, connections with. And it's important to, still hold those in yourself because you are now that person is now a part of you and perhaps that person was still a part of you before they had passed on but now they are even more a part of you because they don't exist on the planet anymore and you love this person so much so you have to make sure that they still exist yolo yolo um uh, Aiden, uh I want to thank you for coming on. Um before we sign off, although that was a pretty solid ending remark, is is thank there you. anything you want to leave off on as we sign off? And also is there anything that you want to plug? Um any media, Ooh. anything you've got going on, any a movie you like that helped you or movie you just enjoy? And, you know, anything. Um, what you, what you got? Uh we bought a zoo, dude. That movie. I gotta say that a lot of people joke about that movie on it, the internet, but I love it. It is and like that. This is one of my ironic, like unironic things. I mm -hmm. mean, and it's also just a very, uh, I had watched, we, Addie loved that movie. So we watched that film really? a lot. And I think the last movie that I had watched like with her, like that she was like conscious for, um, so I watch it when I'm feeling very sentimental, but mm -hmm. it just is something about the cinematography. And I know that you like cameras and photography, so perhaps maybe this is why you like it too, but <laughs> it just holds all of the light and the love of the person that they are trying to um, create with this mom, you know, mm -hmm. they have lost and this hole in their life and how as a family, even though it was kind of a rocky road, they filled it and still kept a little tiny bit in there that she could shine through, but they created a life for themselves that fulfilled what 
she would have wanted for them. And I think that's really important to just probably be told. I know that everyone like thinks it, Oh, I want to do this for someone. And I know I'm telling people to do that for other people, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of nice to watch it. And it's also just so beautiful and the relationships with the dad and the siblings. It's just so raw. I don't know. It's very real. I know that's probably not the way that the actual real Moore Park Zoo or whatever Moore Lynn Zoo, whatever it mm, was. Right. Yeah. It's it's definitely a a, a profound story, and I it think is. I think stories mean a lot. Yeah. So. And I relate to it a lot, so I think that's why. But I, it's very uplifting. It's just beautiful. I know it's ironic, but there's a reason it's ironic because it's so good. <laughs> Thank you, Matt Damon. <laughs> Thank you, Matt Damon. <laughs> That'll be the the final remark. Thank you, Matt Damon. Um, Aiden, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Um, you know, I, I um, oh, there your face just popped up. Hi. <laughs> oh, I like your earrings. I never, I didn't see oh, those before. This is my plug. Mama and May. Mm. Mama Online and- at Mama and May. She makes my earrings. They're phenomenal. How exciting. Go check it out, folks. Uh, Watch We Bought a Zoo and go get some earrings from Mama in May. Um, Aiden, once again, thank you so much for joining me. Um, For those listening, if you want to get a hold of us, send us an email at pwbnetwork at gmail.com. Check us out on the Facebook, the websites, all the good stuff. Uh, Until then, we will talk to you all in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to In All Sincerity. If you want to find out more about our show and other shows on the Podcast Without Borders Network, make sure you check out our website at podcastwithoutborders.com. If you want to contact us, send us an email at pwbnetwork at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram so you can see all of our updates on our shows and what's going on at the network. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all in the next episode.